welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. So we're continuing our, sister, our series um, in Mark. Just we're following through this series because we want to look at the life of Jesus and the Gospels tell us about his life because he's the most important person in our lives. I also, with the, the set verses I've got, thought I'd delve into emotions. And so I'm going to look at emotions, and then we're going to talk a bit about faith as well. So we're all different, right? I know this comes as news. It certainly came to, as news to me as a young man. Um, I thought, everybody understands why I act the way I do, because they would all act that way, right? But it ain't like that. Likewise, with emotions, some of you will no doubt be really aware of what you're feeling. You'll be aware of your emotions and what they're telling you. Some of you will be aware and kind of able to regulate it. Others of us, not pointing any fingers, <laughs> completely ignore them, are completely blind to them. But we were given emotions by God because we were made in His image. Um, and in fact, when you look through the Gospels, you find out Jesus displayed emotions. You know, the, the one that's always popular to say about is him overturning the tables um, in uh, the temple courts, um, and he got very angry with the people there. There's also the shortest verse in the Bible um, that says Jesus wept, and that was at Lazarus's um, funeral. Um, and so, God has emotions, and we're made in His image, and so we're not supposed to just dismiss our emotions. Um, they're actually a gift from God. So, I've been on a journey exploring, um, I guess myself, but becoming aware of what emotions I have. Um, and I'm a very logic-driven person. I am really a head person. My thought is king. Um, obviously, Jesus is king, but sort of for me, I like to think about things rather than work out how I feel about things. And you guys may look at me and think, I'm fairly level-headed. I've got it together. You know, that's a common perception of um, people. But the reality is that I'm like the proverbial swan. I'm swimming all effortless on the surface, but underneath I'm pedaling hard. Because it turns out, and again, this is not news to most of you, but it turns out I have emotions. And more to the point, I don't deal with them. I tend to ignore them. And as a result, they leak. 
One of my emotions, probably my default core emotion, um, is anger. Um, but actually, what you find is that emotions tend to layer on top of one another. And so, underneath my anger tends to be actually fear. Um, I get angry about injustice. Um, we talked last week a bit about the leadership weekend, and I'm going to keep mentioning it this weekend because um, it's sort of, there were so many good words that came out there. Um, but I just want to encourage you and bring you along on that journey. You know, we didn't go along to the leadership weekend for just our development, for our own purpose. We went along to hear God and to see where God is leading the church. And if you're interested in leadership or you just want to find out more about who we are, the the group of churches that we belong to, Christ Central, I'd encourage you to come and talk with Ben or me, and we would recommend going along to next year's leadership meeting because it, it is open. It's not, you know, just sort of tied down um, to the elders of churches, but it's actually open to all leaders or anybody who's really interested in leadership. But a lady who talked at this week's, uh, sorry, at this year's um, leadership meeting was Amy or Ewing. Now she's quite sort of, she's got a lot of following at the moment because she actually, the, the sort of few days before the meeting, was talking to the MPs. She'd gone along to the uh, House of Commons breakfast, and she was speaking to them. But one of the stories that she tells is about um, sort of how uh, society is driven by what appears to be taking a stand for minorities. And people get very emotive about LGBTQ uh, rights, about gender rights, about all of these things. And what Amy hit on is that at the heart of this, people get angry because of injustice. They see the injustice of people being um, persecuted for their choices and who they sort of are, how they're choosing to live. And you know what? That injustice is wrong. And so it's good to recognize the emotion that comes in and how you deal with that. Andrew Wilson talked at the leadership conference about how polarized society is, that it's, it's tending to go more and more to a very binary operation, there's that, and it's either A or it's B. And if we look at politics, for instance, you either support the left, Labour, or you support the right, the Conservatives. And, you know, there's maybe a bit of ground in the middle, but really, it's either or. And the problem with that 
is that quite often the church goes, well, kind of agree with some of that and with some of that, but we don't agree with that and we don't agree with that. So then people say, well, you're sat in the middle. And what Andrew was saying, he introduced a new word to me, which is unusual. Um, In fact, he introduced more than a single word. There were two words. The second one I can't pronounce, so I won't even try. But the first is diagonalism. And it's basically, as the church, we should be recognizing what's going on in society and saying, this is right, but here is what God says about it. And that's our opportunity is to stand up and be able to say, you know, we don't agree with LGB plus, that I always lose the letters. Um, We don't agree with that per se. But what is right is that we stand up for people who are being persecuted. It isn't right that people are persecuted. Society can only go, that isn't right that they're persecuted, therefore I'm going to go along with what they believe and stand for what they believe. I'm going to make a stand and stand with them for what they believe because that's why they're being persecuted. But we as the church should be saying, it's not right that they're being persecuted. They are people made in the image of God. And God wants a relationship with them. He loves them very much. So we should be people who understand what is going on in society and speak into it without getting caught up in how society deals with it of sort of, well, I must stand for what they stand for. So, sorry, all of that. So, God gave us emotions for a reason. I want to ask, what drives you? Is there an emotion that you keep coming back to? Is there a core emotion that dominates who you are? Slightly naughty question, because I'm leading you down an avenue, but for a purpose. Because God didn't give us emotions to be driven by them. He didn't give us emotions to be uh, controlled by them. They're emotions to give us a check. They're emotions to cause us to pause. Do you stop and ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Something I've been learning to do. And my counselor suggested, do it twice a day. What I found was, as soon as I started doing it twice a day, I was then almost doing it on an hourly basis. And then, as I go on, I'm starting to learn, huh, I feel angry about this. 
What's that about? And that's the next question we should be asking. What's it about? What's driving that? And then, where does it originate from? These are all good questions to ask. So, why am I talking about emotions? Why have I not listed one Bible verse yet? Yeah. The reason for it is the Bible verse we're about to look at, everybody knows it. You'll have heard it, you'll have read it hundreds of times probably. And it's very easy to get complacent. So I wanted to start off, point us in a direction, and read these verses without that pre-filtered uh, eye on it. Father God, we just pray that as we open these verses and read what you have said, Lord, that we will get something afresh of you. Lord, will you guide our thoughts, our eyes, and Lord, may we just see new things in you. Thank you, Jesus. So, we're talking out of Mark 4, and it's the tail end of it, verses 35 to 41. One of the things Amy said was she got the opportunity to go out and meet the leaders of the Taliban. To do that, they had to become press. So they went out to interview the leaders of the Taliban, but they were looking to um, speak with them. And basically, they said, sort of, when they were finished interviewing them, they said, we'd just like to give you a gift. We'd like to give you the most precious gift we think one person can give another. It just gave me pause, again, that the Bible is key. It's one of our values that we love and hold to biblical truth. So, on to Mark. Let's read. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, just as he was in the boat. Sorry, you have to watch where the commas are. It's very easy to just string this stuff together. Um, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? 
even the wind and the waves obey him. So the disciples were clearly frustrated. There's a lot hidden in that. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? How can Jesus be asleep in the back of the boat? They're working hard, trying to fight for their lives, trying to bail out the water that's coming in, and the teacher's resting in the back. How easy is it to get frustrated with other people? It's, I was here this morning at 9.30. I set up the whole PA. I didn't, by the way, not this morning. I set up the tables. I set up the coffee. I turned the urn on. What are you all doing? You're sleeping in bed. It's easy to get frustrated with people. I didn't do all of those things, by the way. But it's good when we serve together. Underneath their frustration, though, the disciples were in fear. They were in fear for their lives. And you've got to recognize that some of these guys are hardened fishermen. Yeah, they've been out on the Sea of Galilee lots of times. They're well aware how these storms suddenly arise, and then they'll suddenly disappear. And they're used to it. And yet, they were really worried about the boat being swamped. And if it was swamped, the likelihood was that they were all going to drown. And yet, Jesus was sleeping. It's very easy to read this Bible verse or verses and say, yeah, oh, stupid disciples, we'd have done better because we know the end of the story. But they didn't. Here's some good things they did. They didn't push their emotions down as a certain somebody might have done. They didn't go, I'll just keep working, keep bailing the water out. They actually said something. They don't suppress their emotion. And at least they say it to Jesus. Albeit that they address him as teacher. They haven't yet got to the understanding that he's the son of God. They haven't had that revelation yet. But they turn around and say, to Jesus, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Of course Jesus does. Jesus wakes up and he deals with the situation. First thing Jesus does, and he's not a hardened sailor as far as I'm aware, but he gets up. I can't imagine how difficult that would be in a small boat that's pitching to and fro and being drowned. And he speaks out to the nature. On this leadership weekend, Jeremy Simpkins, who's the apostle to our churches, he's the, the sort of person that we relate to, um, and he was just um, helping the churches together, 
and he mentioned about a book that a guy wrote a long time ago. The guy was called What Knee, and the book was about Ephesians, and it highlights three um, things that go through Ephesians. Sit, walk, stand. And um, he was saying there's an importance in sitting, in resting in God's presence. In Jesus' case, in sleeping. Do you know how much evidence is coming out now about how key sleeping is to your mental health, to your long life, to your health physically? It's loads and loads and loads. We need to be people who sit in the presence of God, who rest and who are able to sleep easily, even when storms are going on. But we also need to be a people who stand. And Jeremy was saying the importance is, you stand, stand together. And that's the thing. We're not, we need to share our burdens with one another and stand together on these things. All of that's a bit of a sidetrack, but the point is that Jesus stood and addressed what was going on. You know, it's very easy to go, oh, yeah, of course he addressed, well, it's, it's Jesus. You know, he just speaks and things happen. He's God, and he is God. But it doesn't take away from it being amazing, does it? He spoke, he rebuked the wind, and quietened the waves, and they obeyed. What's crazy is he goes to the cross, dies, rises, and then when he's speaking with the disciples, he says, all authority has been given to me. And he then equips his disciples and says, you need to go. I'm delegating my authority to you. And we today have that delegated authority. We could just as easily speak to the wind and the waves and see them quieten. I'm not quite sure my mustard seed of faith, if that's what I've got, and sometimes I think it's smaller than that, but I'm not quite sure I'm there yet. But God is good. And Jesus did this amazing thing of quietening the storm. He then goes on to teach the disciples so after everything has settled and calmed down, he teaches the disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? We quite often look at that as a rebuke. I think Mark's just recording this as a, this is what he taught us out of this situation. See, Jesus had started off these verses with, let's go to the other side. 
That was his command. That was where the disciples were going. Faith is another big word, sorry, antithesis of fear. It works against and breaks down fear. If you have faith, you can't be afraid. But, here's the rub, as they say. Faith is a gift. It's a gift from God. Paul, talking to uh, the Christians in Ephesus, he wrote uh, in Ephesians 2, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So salvation is a gift, but it comes through faith, which is also a gift. So, how do we develop faith? How do we foster faith? How do we grow faith? We stir our gift of faith when we testify. One of the reasons we talk about, what has God said to you this week? Has anyone got any testimonies? One of the reasons we do that is to build faith in the whole church. We want to see people who say, you never believe what happened to me this week. God did this for me. That gives us opportunity to say, wow, yeah, God could do that for me. Or even better, I've got this bigger mountain in front of me. Perhaps God could do that for me. We stir the gift of faith when we worship. We've had a word over us as a church about our worship. There's a song that I'm listening to regularly, written by Maverick City Music, and it's called Firm Foundation. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad than that I put my faith in Jesus, because he's never let me down. He's faithful through all generations, so why would he fail me now? We stir up the gift of faith by praying, praying to God. In, um, I think it's a bit later in Mark, we'll probably come to it, um, the d disciples have gone out and they've met a father who's come to them and sort of said, oh, could you pray for my boy to be healed? He's sort of uh, having fits, he's throwing himself around, he foams at the mouth, he grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. Can you heal him? And the disciples go, got this one. They go and pray. Nothing happens. The boy continues to keep having fits. And I suspect when you read sort of the account, 
father then has a bit of a barney with the disciples as they're walking back to Jesus. And, you know, he's complaining that the disciples haven't managed to do anything, basically. And he speaks to Jesus and says, if you can, would you heal him, Jesus? And Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When you read the whole passage, what you find, although the English word here is translated as belief, it's actually referring back to faith because that's what Jesus had been talking about. So, by praying, by interacting with Jesus, we have opportunity to grow our faith. One final thought to leave you with, provocation. I haven't worked this out, so I'm not saying it's gospel, for want of a better word, um, but it's something that I've noticed. Sin in the Bible is about putting yourself before God and before others. Yeah? It's about believing that you know what's best and acting God's place. So when I apply that to when we talk about emotions, our emotions are a problem when it's about us. When our emotions are about us, they become a problem. And they're designed for us to look beyond us to other people. We should have a godly perspective when we have emotions. I think God probably, possibly, gave us emotions so that we would know how to empathize with others. Our emotion ought to stimulate us to look to Jesus, ask for the faith to see Him act and do for others. Fear isn't necessarily unfounded. Anxiety isn't necessarily unfounded. But the question is, what is it based in? Is it based in a worry about yourself? Because, again, with anxiety, if it is, that's fine. But what we now need is people to stand and come alongside us and stand in it with us to stand and seek God for the faith to see that brought down, or at least to a level that can be managed. Maybe that's stymieing my, your faith. I want to see a church that's free of anxiety. I want to see a church that's free of fear. I want to see the church 
who has that heart for the world and what's going on there, the injustice, the fear, the problems, and a church that says, we're standing in the gap. We're going to move forward into what's happening in the world, and we're going to bring Jesus in to see him resolve the situations in kingdom ways. We finish the chapter with the disciples still in fear. They're not there yet, but the next chapter coming up next week, we get to see what Jesus does because it's in Jesus doing more stuff that we begin to build faith in who Jesus is. I want to provoke you to think about your week. Are you anticipating what Jesus is going to do in your week? Because that will build your faith for what Jesus will do. Lord God, we thank you that you made us. God, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Sometimes we don't understand it. But Lord, I pray that we would become more understanding of how you've made us and of what you've made us for. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk.